Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shorts Weather, the podcast where we show how the Midwest really is the best. I am your host, Emily Campbell, and welcome to episode number one. I am very excited that this has finally made its way to your ears. I've been working on this for a few months now, and it's finally time to release it out into the world. Um, and make it something that you can go listen to and um, can make it a part of your day every day or, well, maybe every two weeks. To be completely honest, there's still a lot, and you'll figure this out as we go, there's still a lot of things that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, This is just a passion project, a side project. This isn't even a side hustle. It's just a hobby. Uh, So I don't know how frequently I'll release. I don't know... Um, what this is going to look like going forward. Um, Other than that, I'm going to have some really great guests and have some really great conversations. So how did this start? A little bit of background. I promise not every episode will start with this much rambling from me, but since it's the first episode, I wanted to give a little background of where things are coming from. So a lot of you probably know, if you know me, that I've been through some career shifts um, in the last couple of months and have kind of changed gears on what my day-to-day work life and workload looks like. Um, and that's not a bad thing. But I have lost um, a piece of my career or have lost touch with the piece of my career that is content creation, marketing, advertising, um, video and audio. And while I really like the things I'm doing in my job now, I work in student recruitment and student relations, Um, I still miss the content creation and the creative side of some of the careers and the jobs that I've had in the past. And I like to talk, but more importantly, I love to listen to other people and I love to learn from other people. So a podcast just seemed like a natural fit for me. Um, I'm sure you're sitting there thinking, oh, well, you must love to talk if you're doing a podcast. Uh, But as you listen to these first few episodes, you'll find that the basis for this show, again, it's called Shorts Weather, Um, is really to talk to people who are interesting from the Midwest. So a background on the name of the podcast. Um, As we all know, Shorts Weather is kind of the epitome of Midwest positivity and consternation, right? Because who knows what temperature Shorts Weather is? Nobody knows the exact temperature for Shorts Weather, but you do know, and I just was outside today taking a walk in a pair of shorts in March, that the first day of shorts weather for a year is, it's just the best day ever. And so I wanted to tap into that Midwestern culture, that Midwestern spirit, and bring you the stories of people who are interesting from the Midwest. Um, In my first episode you'll listen to today, we talked to Katie Decker, um, or Katie Clark, of Katie Decker Photography. She's married. We'll get into that all in the episode Um, But sometimes I'll be talking to people with their own business. Sometimes I'll talk to people who have really interesting backgrounds. Um, I know in a couple of episodes I've already batched up, I talked to kind of a Midwestern food expert. Um, All kinds of people who either are from the Midwest, work with Midwestern topics, or really embody that Midwestern spirit that I love and that if you're listening to this, you probably love too. So, like I said, I don't know exactly what this is going to look like. My goal is to release an episode every other week. We'll see if that happens. Things might change these first few weeks. Um, But I'm just really excited to get to have some of these conversations. I've been telling my guests when I beg and plead for them to be on the show, 
that this is just an excuse for me to talk to and learn from people who I think are really interesting. And I think as we go about these first few episodes, you will find that that's the basis for the show. Um, And hopefully you enjoy learning from and listening to them as well. So like I said, today's episode, we talked to Katie Clark of Katie Decker Photography. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. It's your home office. Wow, so bougie. Love the decorations on the wall. Yes, photography print courtesy of you. I just remember when I gave you that, I just ship it to my parents' house because I was living in the apartments for my internship and I didn't trust any mail being shipped there at all. Oh, no. So I shipped God, it to no. my parents' house. I had to go home that weekend before and get it. And the only wrapping paper I could find was like the short little tube at Dollar General with like 10 foot on it. So I had to get two <laughs> tubes of paper to wrap that and then haul it from the apartment, well, from my mom's house, my dad's house, up to my apartment, from the apartment to where I met you to get on the interstate, and then I had to ride all the way with us to Duluth. So it's a miracle that it even got to you. But Katie Clark, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Woo! Yeah, I hate so... myself talk, so I'll never listen back to this. I'm just going to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> it's okay. I am still not sure how this is going to work because I don't like to listen to myself talk, and I'm sure you, like, you're probably thinking, well, you're starting a podcast, so you must. Um, I don't, so I don't know how this is going to go. But I'm very excited to talk to you today. Uh, Katie Clark is the owner and founder of Katie Decker Photography. Katie Decker Photography is an Iowa-based wedding and portrait photography business. And today I am just excited to talk to you about entrepreneurship, uh, photography as a business, photography as a hobby. Um, We've got some other things to talk about a little bit. Um, But honestly, I also just want to have Katie here because... We are the best of friends, and it was an obvious choice to have her as my first guest on the show. And I don't know, the story of how we became friends, I think, is hilarious. I think it's worth telling because <laughs> it's it's worth a laugh. Um, so Katie and I met, was it the, it was the summer before senior year of high school, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we met the summer before the senior year of high school at this, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like a- well, like called girl's state. Well, I wasn't going to say what it was in case somebody gets offended, but yeah, it's like a summer camp for like, you're supposed to be interested in politics to go. And I was not. <laughs> I, I actually at that time was. So um, I was very excited. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. I was not. I was dreading it. I wanted to go because I was asked by some of the people in my community to go and was like, well, it sounds like an okay experience. And like, I have to caveat all this with like, it wasn't bad, but I just think that it was not, it did not live up to the expectations I had for it. And so it's like this fake government. And we were on the campus of Drake University living in the dorms for a week. And we had, it, it was sketchy, like Drake. I got yelled at for going out to my car. Because I, I was one of the few people that drove myself, and I forgot something in my car, and some lady yelled at me and said, you could have been shot. Because you could have. Okay, so for everybody that's not familiar with Drake University, which I'm assuming at this point most people that are listening know exactly where Drake is, but if you don't, Drake University is like here, and now that I'm saying this, I know nobody can even see me, but Drake <laughs> University is here, and like not very many steps away is the slums of Des Moines so it's no wonder that you got yelled at but at this conference we had like fake towns fake counties fake states and it was supposed to show the different 
pieces of government, which it actually did a pretty good job at, Katie and I were in the same city. And I don't really remember hanging out with you the first couple days of the event, but on the very last day, and this still gives me like anxiety thinking about it, it was super hot. There was like 300 girls there. We all brought prom dresses and we're supposed to stand on the stage and all sing songs and clap and just do different things. And I was very adamant about Katie curling my hair because she volunteered to curl people's hair because she knew how to curl hair and I didn't. I still don't. And I don't know. I I went across town <laughs> to the dorm that Katie was in and Katie curled my hair and it was kind of like, I don't know about you, but we got done. We went and did the dumb singing thing and we sweated and it was, it was we were ready. It was honestly awful. I could not wait to leave. It was so bad. And we got done with that. And it was like, gosh, you know, thanks, Katie. It was really nice to meet you. Let's stay in touch. And as soon as I left, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to see her again. (laughs) I didn't want to see anyone from there again, honestly. I had a good experience at first. And by the end of the week, I was so fed up with that crap. I was just ready to go home. It wasn't a bad experience, but it's just one of those things. It's kind of, I assume it's like when people go to summer camp as kids and you like make all these friends. And then it's like, yeah, we'll write each other. And maybe you write like one little letter to your pen pal and then you never hear from them again. That's what I expected this to be. And now here we are. We're real adults with real houses and we're playing around with the podcast. So I don't remember then when we got to Iowa State, how we like reconnected. So, well, we ended up in NAMA together, which, you know, I also didn't have a good experience with and I ended up quitting. Um, (laughs) But then... I moved in next door to you in oh, the dorm. Oh, that's right. Because you were in a different dorm first semester. In a dorm. And yeah. then I moved to this dorm. But we still, I don't think, like, saw each other that often. Well, you were also friends with some of my friends because you were working at the Capitol. Oh, that spring. yeah. Like, um, oh, Cassie well, and- yeah, Cassie and them. And then we all kind of co-mingled and like how you do the dorms but again I'm like well that was fun to like reconnect with my you know my girl state neighbor but and then we just continued being neighbors because oh yeah no because I think we uh, like officially became friends because I would tell you about my stupid crazy roommates the next year I did not choose yeah this was the next year and you were living in in that one bedroom apartment by yourself and I would come over and you would make supper and I would tell you about all the crazy stories and um, vent to you about that. And then during finals week that semester, it just like shit hit the fan. Can I swear on this podcast? I don't know. I haven't decided. Okay, take that out. Yes, you can swear. Um, basically it just, it wasn't going well. And I could hear them saying really mean things about me outside my door. And I was trying to study for finals. I can confirm they were terrible. They, they were terrible. I have so many stories. So anyway, I take the screen off my window and I live on the first floor and I tried to crawl out the window because I did not want to have to walk out through the common space where they all were and, and have them see me leave. Cause I just went to my car and I was like, okay, I'm just going to figure out where to go because I can't sleep here anymore because I have finals and I was going to get an A on those finals. Okay. Like a nomad. So, um, and, like, during the day, I would spend a lot of time at Farmhouse because that's where Jake 
lived at, and he was still in college at the and time. Who is oh, Jake? No, there's, there's the day. Jake is my now husband. Um, but your boyfriend at that time. My boyfriend at the time, and I would go to farmhouse during the day, which was great. But like, I was where did I go at night? I didn't have anywhere to go. So thankfully, <laughs> Emily allowed me to come and crash on her couch, and I I was able to sleep there for the next couple of nights. And um, and then I ended up moving in just a couple doors down from you at that same apartment. Yeah, and we've so. been best friends ever since. Yes. So, so there's. There's so many stories I feel like we could tell. I, I, this is probably where people are going to start. Like, we're going to lose people if we keep yeah, telling our stories. So <laughs> we're going to actually talk about real business because this podcast has such a purpose. I say this like I know what this is going to be. I don't. So if anybody's even still listening at this point, it's a miracle. But like I said before, Katie has her own business, Katie Decker Photography. And it's something that I think you almost don't give yourself enough credit for, not only in the aspect of having that talent in the area of photography, but also starting a business at, you know, this isn't a one or two year business. I mean, you've had Katie Decker photography for a while. When did that all start? I guess kind of tell the story of, you know, when you first had that interest in photography, when did that even become something that was a part of your life? Well, this could also be a really long story. So I guess if we haven't lost people already, maybe they'll start um, cutting <laughs> off now. But so growing up, I always loved taking photos and I always had a camera that was just, I, you know, if I had birthday money or Christmas money to spend, I always, you know, was spending it on a new camera. So I would make my younger sister <laughs> pose for me and I we would take music videos and I would edit them. I had a laptop growing up, which was honestly one of the best. I, I didn't need toys. All I needed was this laptop that I could edit videos on um, that I would take with my sister. We would do music videos. We would make cooking shows and do um, reviews of different products. And I just found my hard drive of all that stuff. And it was hilarious. Um, but anyway, so I always really enjoyed that. And then. Um, I think it was my sophomore year of high school. Um, I was really good friends with the seniors at that time. And I had a friend who said, oh, I need my senior pictures taken. And his mom didn't have anything scheduled. I'm not really sure why, because she was a very organized person. Um, but I said, hey, I have a nice camera and my dad has a nice lens he never uses. I'll take them for you. So. He came over one day after school and we went out in the pasture in the field and, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing. I mean, I wasn't shooting completely on automatic mode. I think I was on like aperture priority. So I was kind of starting to understand. Those are really big words, Katie, just so you know. <laughs> well, I'm, I didn't know what I was doing. Really I, I, like, I didn't really know. I just was using bibbidi-boppidi-boo. <laughs> anyway, I, but I thought, I really thought I knew what I was doing, which I, I had a DSLR at the time, which is, you know, your fan, fancier camera, more than just a point and shoot. Uh, but my dad had this nice lens, but it was a super zoom lens, which I didn't really realize wasn't great for these portraits that I was going to take. But the photos turned out, I would, I mean, I just look back at them and they're really not that bad. 
I even designed a little album for him. I, I don't know why I was doing all of this for free. I think his mom maybe mailed me like $75 like when they got them back because she realized that they weren't maybe completely awful. Um, and so I was like, wow, that was fun. It didn't feel like work. And I can get paid for this. Like, that'd be awesome. So I um, just started taking photos of my friends you know, I wasn't making any money at this point, but I had, you know, some families I'd take photos for and maybe I'd charge a little bit here and there. Um, and then I think it was my senior year that I decided to make it an actual business. I, you know, went through the process to make it a legit legal business and started a Facebook page, um, you know, which some would say is making it even more official. Uh, but <laughs> And I sent out postcards to everyone in my class um, advertising senior pictures for $80. And I would spend like three hours at these sessions with some of my classmates. I'm pretty sure I had, I want to say like 10 or 12 people oh my gosh. Uh, that year um, for senior pictures. And it kept me super busy my senior year of high school. And I loved it. So um, that's kind of when it became an actual business. And then um, when I went to college, it kind of got put on the back burner, but I wanted to get into doing weddings. So I, I kind of scaled down the amount of seniors and families I was taking on. And I had just reached out to some different photographers that I'd followed for a while and just asked if I could come second shoot with them for free. So I even started, I think with the first wedding I went to, I was the third shooter. So I did it, I did it for free, but it was the best, best thing I could have done to kind of take my business to the next level. So I second shot for two years. I think my first year I booked like three of my own weddings. Um, and so now I focus primarily on weddings. I do do some um, seniors and families too. But um, yeah, I think this is going to be my fourth year doing weddings. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Well, and I think too, obviously I haven't known you forever, but we've known each other long enough that it's pretty evident that you've always been a creative person. I mean, you were talking about those videos you and your sister made, which we've talked about this before. My sister and I did that too. We're kind of two creative peas in a pod in some ways, you and I. Uh, but I can remember the first time that I went to your house and your parents' house and hung out with you and your sister and your parents and your dog and we got to looking at some old pictures and some old stuff on a computer we'd found. And I remember this video that you and your sister had made. It was a <laughs> Taylor was a, Swift. It was. It was. It was Taylor Swift. I don't remember what song it was. Our song. Um, oh yes, our song. It was our, our song by Taylor Swift. But you were in. You and Megan, your sister, were in. The front, you know, the part where it's talking about in the front seat of his car, oh and you gosh. were sitting in the front seat of this pickup, and you made Megan. Wait, oh, who she's the girl. Oh, and Megan, I'm, was... I'm always the guy. Yeah. And there was some choreographed dance. Oh, I yes. mean, that we right had a there, guitar in there and everything. It, it was it was top notch. It was award winning videography. It was very it was cinematic. It was beautiful, but even. I mean, as a, this is going to make like, sound like I'm making fun of you. I'm not, but as like a freshman in college, you had a craft shed at your parents' house, which <laughs> honestly, story. <laughs> you had a she shed before anybody knew what a she shed was. And so I think knowing like a, being able to know that about yourself and having parents that encourage 
that craftiness is fantastic. And I think that could be a whole nother discussion on, you know, parents encouraging and, you know, kind of discovering the things that their children have a proclivity towards. Me talking like I have kids. I have no kids. In terms of children, I have none. (laughs) But I just, I respect that and admire that about your parents. And obviously it's shown today in just in terms of both your hobbies, your business, um, you know, the internships and the jobs that you've had too. I mean, do you remember when you had that realization that this wasn't just a hobby and this wasn't just, oh, 50 bucks here and there, but this could actually be a viable business for you? Yeah, I think in college, I didn't really, um, I, I don't think I thought it could be my full-time job. Um, and I, at least for the portrait side of things, but then, um, I had an internship with Maxfield Cooperative, which then you ended up interning for, so that we also have that in common. Um, (laughs) and I was able to work with the photographer that Maxfield, um, hires to do all kinds of work. And he is a commercial photographer focusing in agriculture. Um, and that's when I really realized, wow this could actually be an actual business and it's not just some floofy hobby like you might think taking people's senior pictures is. Um, and I and I also kind of always thought, well, everyone's a wedding photographer. And I think that kind of stems from social media and the fact that I probably primarily follow people in the wedding industry. So it feels extra saturated to me. Uh, but I think it was in, you know, in college, I kind of thought, you know, this could be a business, but where do I want to focus my time and energy? What, what area do I want to, do I want to focus my time and energy in? Um, but then I did think, you know, I should get a full-time job after college, be able to have that on my resume. And then, um, you know, down the road, I could give, give it a, give my own business a shot. Um, but I just kind of wanted that experience on my resume to fall back on in case, I decided I didn't want to be my own boss anymore. So um, I went that route and now, I don't know how to go into that. (laughs) Well, So maybe this is a great time to say that because this is one of the first episodes, I've recorded this not long, long before, but plenty long before this is actually coming out and anybody's hearing this. So we're much farther into the future now world as you're listening, (laughs) but I guess recently, if you want to share, we can cut this out too if you want, but Katie recently had a career change. Well, yes, yesterday I quit my job, um, (laughs) which I was not expecting to do. Um, I mean, it was semi-planned, but also not. You knew you were going to do it. You just didn't know when. Yes. And I I thought I was going to wait till sooner um, when my wedding photography season picked up. Um, And I had a little bit more time to build a different business on the side or kind of get something else started. Uh, But just kind of a change in the events in the last couple of days, I decided now's the right time. So um, I guess I still have about seven more weeks of my day job, uh, but I'm definitely looking towards the future and starting something new. Well, and I think having that, I mean... 
obviously you're confident enough in the business you have and the potential for additional clients that you're very confident in your business model, your skills. And I think that goes to show that photography is a viable business. It, that's kind of the other thing I want to talk about with you today relating to photography, especially is that photography, in my mind, coming from somebody that is not a photographer, you know, is definitely not at the level that you are, Katie. But in my mind, there's like two areas of photography. There's photography as a hobby. Maybe it's on your iPhone or you buy a decent camera and you like to take pictures because you like the art, you like the fun, and that's fine. Or there's photography as a profession. And there's so much more that goes into that that I hope that you'll share. Both are okay. Both are necessary, but they're very different. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. And, you know, I think we all start somewhere and I don't want to discourage, um, you know, people from taking their hobby and making it a business. But I think especially in college, being in the major that I was, which was ag communications, it seemed like you know, that was the path that all of us were on. You know, every, every girl in this major thought, well, I, uh, I'm i creative. I like design. I like to take photos. I'm going to start a photography business. And, you know, I, I really don't want to discourage anybody, but, you know, they're really, they're really not doing anything to learn about what it takes to set up an actual business or take those steps before they declare that they have a photography business. And um, <laughs> I don't really know where to go from there, but I don't know. I'm just laughing because it's, I mean, you're right. And it was even that way when we were little. I mean, we've talked about being in 4-H and FFA and entering photography. I thought I was a photographer because I had photos go to state fair. Not to humble brag, <laughs> but, but I thought I was a photographer because I had a couple good photos. That's great, but that's different than having a photography business. I mean, photography girls at our age are kind of like the, I don't know, the cliche of like a horse girl as a five or six year old because it's, it's harmless. Everybody wants to be one. It's, it's people who pick up their camera. And, you know, their photos, the photo quality isn't that great, but anybody can slap a filter on something and make it look decent. Um, you know, and you really don't have to know anything to be able to do that. So I think that's where a, a lot of it lies. And I want to be clear, there's nothing wrong with doing that. If you like to take pictures with your iPhone or your, you've got a cheap camera, I mean, if you like to take pictures and you just take them to take them. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think where it becomes, I don't want to say problematic because it's a little strong, but where it starts to become confusing is where the difference is. And I think some of that comes in, not maybe even in the skill or the eye of the photographer, but I mean, the equipment and the commitment it takes for a business, what does it take? I mean, what what is necessary to have a viable photography business? Walk me through the equipment, the subscriptions, the expenses. Like, what things do people forget about when it comes to a, photo a photography business? Oh my gosh, 
I should have made a list ahead of time, I guess. But um, I, I did send you the notes, so this is I on you. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I promise I she's a real photographer, guys. You can look her up on Instagram. You can't. Okay, here's the thing. You can't text me stuff because sometimes. Like, my phone's on Do Not Disturb, and whatever comes in while my phone's on Do Not Disturb, I somehow never get to. Well, I, okay, to be fair, I will give you some grace, because you freaking quit your job this week, so you had a few things going on. I was a little bit stressed yesterday. I think I ended up falling asleep on the couch at, like, 7.30 last night, because I was just exhausted, but anyway. And she's still a trooper. (laughs) Here she is. I don't know why it made me so tired, but it just did. Um. So to answer your question, I think that, you know, equipment matters, but it doesn't necessarily matter the most. It, yes, it, it, it is great to have an awesome camera that can take sharp photos, can handle all kinds of lighting situations, but there's a lot more that goes into it. You know, from a business perspective, if you're going to be charging people money, you know, and it's one thing to do family and families and seniors where you can reschedule it if you need to. But on the other hand, if you're doing weddings, you need to have a backup plan. And, you know, it's it's not something that you just want to start willy-nilly and not take seriously. And that's why I'm so glad I second shot for two whole years before I ever booked any weddings on my own, because I wanted to make sure I was super solid um, and able to to produce the kind of work that my clients expected. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I have tons of backup equipment. You know, if my main camera craps out on a wedding day, it's not a problem. I, I have the backup equipment. And I think that is one of the biggest things I needed to do to be able to, you know, be, call myself, you know, officially a wedding photographer. Because you um, have a copy of like all of your equipment pretty much, don't you? You have almost two of everything. Um, I don't have two of each type of lens. But I have so many different lenses that I, if I dropped one, I could do the wedding day without it. It's not a big deal. So I, you know, I have enough that it's it's not a problem. I could achieve the same look with something else. Um, but I have three different camera bodies. And, um, you know. And d- tell, what's a camera body? Just kind of describe, so people understand what that is. So it's the actual, like... <laughs> thing you hold in your hands. <laughs> I don't know. What, what are you looking for? <laughs> it's like without the lens. So on good camera, it's, you can take the lens. the lens. Right. Yes. It's not, it's not attached. Sorry. That, yeah. That I thought fun. you were the photographer. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. There's some things where I'm like, well, it's, it's the camera. It's common sense, but apparently, yeah, it's not. Um, yeah. So the camera body is separate from the lens. So I use prime lenses primarily, but I also have several different zoom lenses. So a prime lens is just a fixed focal length. There's, you know, you, you don't zoom at all with a prime lens. And that's what I use on wedding, wedding days most of the time. Um, so yeah, I have, you know, the whole suite of gear pretty much. Um, and then also for doing weddings, I have all of the lighting gear as well. So that's a whole other world. And I would say maybe that's an area that I definitely need to learn a little bit more about. I'm not as proficient really in really knowing how to use the artificial light, uh, as well. 
Um, but I have a whole, you know, separate equipment set of that kind of stuff. Um, and then as far as like software goes, there are just a ton of different softwares that I use. Um, primarily would be Creative Cloud, which is your Lightroom, which is what you use to edit Photoshop and then, you know, a multitude of other softwares that you use for other parts of the business. But I mean, something like that is 50 some dollars a month. So, you know, it, it really adds up when you add in that. Um, I use a blogging software as well that compresses my images. So when you view them on a blog, it uh, loads really quickly. Um, so, you know, add in that, add in your website subscription. Uh, I also use a different subscription for uh, my gallery delivery. So I have an online system I use to deliver all the photos. So um, that's another expense. Um, and then I also use a client management software where I am able to send contracts and questionnaires and um, just, you know, it helps me manage my finances and, and something like that is about $400 a year. So, you know, once you really add it up, it, it does add up to quite a bit. So, oh, and the other thing I didn't mention was the memory cards. No, you don't think about the memory cards being this huge thing, but I mean, you know, I had a weekend last year where I shot two weddings in one weekend. And so I just, I was like, oh, I need to make sure I just have so many memory cards. So, you know, it's easy to spend a hundred, two hundred dollars just updating those. And I only keep them for two years because they will start to crap out on you afterwards. But so I just got my new, I just ordered a new camera. It just came in. It takes a different type of memory card than what I had in my old camera. This one of these memory cards cost me $150. Oh my God. One memory card. And how many, if you, let's say you needed more than, I mean, how many memory cards would you use like that on a wedding day? Well, let me see. This one is 128 gigabytes. I'd say I could easily, I don't know. I think I could, I, before I was shooting with 64 gigabyte cards, um, I don't know how much bigger the file sizes are for my new camera. But I would say just at guessing, I would want to have at least four of these for a wedding day, but I'll, I will probably have eight just on hand. Oh my gosh. And you have um, to have that ready for, I mean, for every camera, you have to have memory cards for every camera. Yeah. Yeah. I have a whole, um, like booklet that I keep all my memory cards in, uh, because I also don't clear the memory cards until after my photos are backed up in at least four different places. So that's a whole other aspect of just keeping them all organized uh, so I don't lose any photos ever. Well, and I hope as people are hearing this, I hope that they realize how much more there is to photography than just buying a nice camera and taking the pictures because you hear oftentimes, and I get it, wedding photography or senior pictures and here's the price tag and, oh, that seems like a lot. I could just do that for free or on my phone or on my my camera that I buy. And I and I get it when you see the price tag and you get 25 or 40 or 100 pictures back, it does not seem like very much. But I mean, we just talked about all of the tangible expenses. What about the intangibles? I mean, your time and your talent is worth something. Um, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that from the start, you've set it up as a quote, real business. So, you know, IRS, if you're listening, you don't have to come after Katie Decker photography <laughs> because that's an expense too. You're collecting taxes. I mean, there's, there's so much more to it than that. And there's so much more than I think, at least in my experience, people 
think about. Do you run into that? Do you feel like people don't look at photography as a, like a quote, real business? I think there's a lot of different opinions on it. And I think some of it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how it seems like every girl decides that she's going to start a photography business. And I've definitely had people tell me that before, you know, oh, you're just another girl that has a photography business. Um, And so I think, you know, some people have that idea in their minds. Um, But I do, I felt like earlier in my business when I was in high school, I had a lot of people who, you know, expected photos for super cheap, which I was offering them for super cheap because I was just trying to, to build my portfolio. Um, but even now I'll have people once in a while who, um, you know, they'll want to set up a session and they don't ask me for the price to start out with. And then once we get it scheduled and I, I go ahead and just say, Hey, this is how much it's going to be. They'll say, Oh, I was hoping to be more in this range. I guess it won't work out. Um, and I'm always just a little bit shocked uh, when people say that. But I, I, I know I also live in a world where I live and breathe this stuff, so it doesn't seem crazy to me. Well, and I think your comment, too, about, oh, it's just an, just another girl, just another person with a photography business. I think that's important, too, because there's also a personality piece to it. I mean, I, I'm sure you can think of maybe a photographer you've worked with, whether it's second shooting or being in the pictures where the experience was not great because the photographer was, I mean, I don't know, I've never really had a guy photographer, but you know, because the photographer was a bitch and it was a terrible experience. I've had that before. It makes it not fun. It makes the pictures, in my opinion, turn out worse because you don't act like yourself. So I, in, I guess, from the client experience, it, I don't think everybody, just anybody can be a photographer. Would you agree? Well, my sister always makes fun of me because she says I'm not a people person. So there's, you know, a, certain jobs that she doesn't think I'll be good at. Um, but I think, yes, being, being able to get along with a whole range of people is a huge part of this business. Um, because one, you're dealing with, um, how people look, you know, everyone is always going to be critical of themselves. And um, two, you also want to be capturing real emotions. And, and so finding out how to communicate with people and, and bring out the real emotions, but also make them like the way they look is a challenge. And I think that's where, um, you know, there's a certain skill that you really need to, um, you know, it's way, it's way more than just understanding how to run your camera. Anybody can learn how to manually shoot photos on their camera and, and edit them. But I would say it's almost more important to know how to communicate with people and, you know, build trust with people um, rather than just bossing them around behind the camera. Well, and you have talked to me too about how helpful it is to have some of those pre-wedding, especially for a wedding, like pre-wedding sessions and kind of getting to know the bride and groom so that everybody's more comfortable with each other on the big day and you're not stumbling around trying to be comfortable with one another when it matters most. Absolutely. And that's why I offer the engagement session 
included in my wedding package. You know, I have couples who will say, oh, we, we don't need engagement pictures, but it is truly complimentary because I feel like I need it to feel more confident on the wedding day because it's our chance to get to know each other. It's our chance for, well, it's my chance to see how the, you know, my couple interacts with each other and know, okay, they look awesome in these types of poses, but maybe, you know, these other types of poses aren't as flattering for the two of them or they don't really suit them. So it's really my chance to just see how they work together. And then when the nerves of the wedding day are there, we're not worried about how we're going to look in, in front of the camera because we've already had the engagement session and we've gotten that out of the way. And I hope, I mean, we just talked about a whole list of other things besides the actual eye for photography that's so important to a photographer. And I hope people that are listening think about how, you know, photography is more than just a hobby in some cases. I mean, it's a very real, viable business. I did a little research. I feel like such a nerd, um, <laughs> but I did a little research um, beforehand because I wanted to be prepared. Um, and I found some data from IBIS World, which is a data aggregate site. They get information and data from lots of surveys and sources. And it predicts that the photography market in the United States will be worth $11.5 billion this year in 2022. I mean, that doesn't sound like it's not a real business to me. That's real money. <laughs> For sure. And I mean, we've just talked about some of the ways that it costs real money to be a part of it. And I, I think it's growing too. I mean, we'll talk about this in a bit. You know, I want to get your opinion on this, but photography in social media, photography and advertising, I mean, there's more to photography than just senior pictures and wedding pictures, like probably the things we think of first as regular old people when it comes to photography. You know, photography is important to businesses too. I mean, you and I both have worked in various roles, kind of in the communications, marketing, advertising space, and we've had really great experiences working with um, I know you and I both have worked with one photographer in particular who um, it's just a lot of fun. If he's listening, he knows who he is. And, um, you know, we really enjoy working with you. <laughs> but I mean, we think about this in the sense of both photography and marketing. And I think this is where maybe for most people, the idea of photography gets a little blurry. Because when you see a print ad, let's say you see an ad in a magazine for some makeup. And it's, you know, beautiful, shiny, maybe it's for like a lip gloss and they've swatched it on an arm and it's kind of got that, that drip down and that all has to be photographed. Somebody's job is to be the lip gloss photographer. And that's a small sliver of the photography industry that nobody thinks about. We need it to be able to do our jobs in marketing and in communications. I could go on a tangent. I won't but I could go on a tangent about good brand photography and how essential it is to the success of a branding effort, of a marketing effort. I mean, you and I talk about this at length because we're nerds and we love to talk about these things. How many times have we seen a successful brand or a company of any size try to sell themselves short with unprofessional or stock photos on a website or on their social media all the time? Oh my gosh. I mean, in my current role, we use a lot of stock photos because of 
just circumstances that we're in. And I see the same stock photos on every ag website. Every single website is using the same photo that we are. And I notice it. I guess I, I don't know if other people pay that close of attention, but it definitely bothers me. Well, and I think bad photography is embarrassing too, especially when you get to a certain a certain size or certain strength as a company, as an organization. When the pictures representing your products are not, they don't make the product look as valuable as what you're asking the customer to pay. There's quite a disconnect and it starts to raise eyebrows and have questions raised over the professionalism and the competency of the marketing and the advertising for a company. So as somebody who's, you know, your day job was at least once in marketing, obviously there's a marketing component to your photography business too. Would you say that photography is an essential tool to a brand? Absolutely. I've even, so my mom um, is a real estate agent and has her own brokerage and you know, I've been doing some research on how we can, um, I've just, I guess I've just been looking at different websites and social media pages to see what other people are doing so we can get started trying to do um, some more on the marketing front for her business. And um, I guess I look at the, the companies who have hired a professional photographer and, you know, their Instagram feeds are full of, you know, not only team photos and and more like lifestyle content but also professional photos of these homes that they're selling and it really makes for a really cohesive brand when you pull all of that together and make someone look immensely more legit than if photography is not something at the top of your list yeah i think the real estate space that's one i didn't even think of until we're visiting today but it's absolutely true i think of my house it sat on the market for a year and a half, and it's not because it's a bad house. It's because the individual I brought it from was selling it for sale by owner, and the one picture they had attached to it on Facebook was a crappy cell phone picture that they took pulling out of the driveway and never posted any interior pictures. The pictures I finally got of the inside before I came to look at it made me not want to come look at the house because... The pictures were so bad, I couldn't see anything. I almost didn't buy this house because the photography was bad, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, it's a little, it's, that's a little extreme, but you're absolutely right. I mean, when you have a couple of seconds to influence whether or not somebody picks up the phone or clicks on an ad or a link, that first impression counts. Oh, definitely. I think um, it's a matter of whether someone's going to trust you or not. Well, I think too... I mean, the trust factor is definitely a piece of it. I think it just has to go with your brand as a company. Your brand and your brand perception becomes synonymous with what that photography looks like, good or bad. I would make the same argument for individuals too. Um, you know, photography has become increasingly important to our personal brands. You and I had a blog in college and we would do little lifestyle photo shoots to go with our blog um drinking coffee at the coffee shop playing in the leaves on campus you know all the very typical <laughs> photography girl horse girl <laughs> things oh that a God. college girl can do on a campus in the fall but 
we would have those pictures and we'd use them on our Instagrams. And we, you know, I like to think we're not shallow people, but we did a little bit of that. I know we're not the only ones. You know, the millennials of this world, Gen Z, which we're kind of, I mean, I know we're technically Zen, Gen Z. We kind of fall almost in the middle of the two. I feel like those generations, we're brought up in an era where photography is very accessible. We just talked about that. Point and shoot cameras, cell phone cameras, better cell phone cameras. They're all things that we have access to. And photos have almost become this form of like a social currency where, you know, through the rise of Instagram, your worth on those platforms was dependent on what kind of photos you posted, how good they were. I mean, before with Facebook and Twitter, um, which came first, I think, I guess I'd have to look. I don't really know the order. I know Facebook was before the others, but Mm -hmm. you could post there with a photo or without. You could just type a message. You could remember the weird phase where you could poke people and that was like a really big deal on Facebook. I'm glad we're we're past that point in our lives. But on Instagram, you could not post up until stories, which is pretty recent. You couldn't post unless you had an image to post whatever you wanted to say with. And I think that that's made photography something that's become more important to our generation. It's more of, like I said, a social currency of sorts. As a photographer, you know, somebody that thinks about this in terms of photography, what are some good things that have come from that trend? And what are some negative things that have come out of that? Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before of it being so accessible. When I was in high school, it was a much more cool, different thing that I had a photography business because it was something not really anybody else was doing. Fast forward to today, you really have to work hard to find your niche to set yourself apart from others. And I would say, you know, it's a positive in the sense of, I think photography is such a bigger part of our lives um, where, you know, we, we have so many more photos from, from all stages of life compared to our parents, where it was such, such a bigger deal to take photos on film and get them printed. And, you know, you had this one good shot where today it's like you scroll through your phone of 10,000 images. Um, so I, yeah, I think, you know, there's the positive of, we have this multitude of photos at our disposal, but also a negative in the sense of, we don't value it quite as much as maybe it should be. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, talking about the age of film and having to develop film roles. It's almost as if we value photography more today, but we value the individual photo less. And I've never thought about that until you were talking about it now. But think about, you know, taking a picture on your phone, whether it's a selfie or taking a family picture at Christmas. You don't have to just take one and hope for the best. You can take four or five or ten or a hundred and pick out the very best one. If you're really talented, you can mesh the best two or three together into one. So there's almost less of a importance, I guess, put on getting it right. I, I don't know what that means for what's next. I don't, I don't know how it's going to get any more accessible to take pictures. 
I don't, you can't take any more pictures at one time. It couldn't be easier to take a picture. We say this and I'm sure something will happen and we'll look back on this in 10 years and we'll shake our heads. But I, I wonder what's next in terms of the way that we view photography and photos and how we treat them. Because right now, they're such an important part of who we, and I see we just in general as a society, as a you know 20 to 30 year old age group how we portray ourselves online. I mean, we've all seen the memes and the the TikToks and the videos of girls making fun of guys that post pictures of them holding fish on dating apps. Think about this in the sense of a dating app where the decision you make is largely based on the photos you see. Good photos are probably going to get more interaction than bad photos. So it really is like a form of currency. And I just think it's interesting that at the same time, we've also somehow taken value away from photos. I don't know. It's interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just decided to pull up your notes. <laughs> we love that. We love that for you. <laughs> that was a thing that people said in college for anybody that's not 20 to 25. And I just remember... Katie, you coming into my apartment one day, I am so sick of people saying love that for you. It's dumb. I don't even know what it means. So I think that one's not a trend anymore, but yeah, love that for you. I'm always behind on uh, whatever the, the cool kids are saying. I don't even know what the trend is now, and that's how I know that I'm getting older. Also, um, I'm just looking at like your background here, your your art you have hung hung behind you. Um does does is the F word on that check? Uh, no. <laughs> so I've I'm gonna talk about this on the podcast because I've had this issue before and this is strike two for that little piece of art. Okay. Well it's I'm coming okay, down. It's going to come down. What else it could what what it could possibly be oh, other no. than that. so for those of you who can't see me, which is everybody, I'm in my office and I come from a racing background. Um and so I've got some victory lane checks behind me on the wall. Um with our driver that my family and I, you know, we're friends with, we sponsor um, they were some that he won. He's got hundreds of them. So he kind of gives them out. And that's a cool piece to have in your um, in your office, kind of in your house, in your garage. So I have a couple behind me. And the gal that wrote his name on the check in Victory Lane has beautiful handwriting. But between the way she wrote his name and the way the glare from my light fixture above me bounces off of it it looks like the f word it does there's not even I, an f in his last name so it really looks that way and i so the worst part of this is i made a video about a year ago for linkedin i was so excited i just oh yeah <laughs> i just oh, gotten no. done with um a professional development session for a uh, fraternity on campus at Iowa State, I did a virtual kind of um, talk to them just about career hunting and career fair tips. Um, I posted the video on LinkedIn and it, it's still out there because I thought we're just going to roll with it. And I didn't think about that check behind me and the glare and the way it might look. 
I had, before I even could go downstairs and make supper, I had like two or three comments on that video asking what was in the background and what that said. And it was people I know, so it was all in good fun. But yeah, after today, this is strike number two for that check. So it's going to have to find a new home somewhere else in my house. Maybe a good idea. Maybe once you design your logo for this podcast, you can get a big banner and hang that behind you. Oh, that's a great idea. Or I'll just get some crappy picture from Dollar General or Goodwill and hang up there. There you go. You know, I'll, I'll just talk about a great photography and, you know, that's what we've resulted to. Your virtual presence. <laughs> <laughs> Katie calling me out, everybody. Mm-hmm. So you have the time to call me out on my background, but you don't have the time to pull up the notes. You you sent them to me at a wrong time. That's right. And then I forgot. That's the, the, my other problem is is that I will fall asleep, and you know if my phone isn't on Do Not Disturb, if it goes off, Jake will look at it. Well, he'll check my mess. He'll he'll read my text just you know because he's curious, but then he won't tell me that I got a text, and then there's not. It doesn't tell me I have a new text anymore. And so I just totally miss it. I just, I, the other day I just went through and responded to texts that I had just completely missed because they had already been read. So. By your husband. Marriage, everybody. (laughs) I feel bad for anybody that doesn't know Jacob because now they probably think he's like a psychotic, overbearing. Oh, no. (laughs) No, it's, it was like, um, Michael Lance texted me the other night and Micah and I were in the same class in high school, and Micah was also in farmhouse fraternity with Jake. And so Jake sees he texted me, and he's just like, oh, what is Micah up to? So he reads a text, but then three days later, I'm like, Micah texted me, and I didn't know. And Micah is going on a mission trip, and he wants money. But, um, you know, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> well, uh, for anybody who's curious, um, I would say Jacob is the opposite of overbearing, um, he's actually the unofficial videographer for our blog back in the day. Um, yes. Helped us make numerous um, videos and spots and little short films for that blog. Um, you can see us in Katie and Emily take a spring break trip. Um, it's still available on Facebook. <laughs> Go check it out. <laughs> spring break trip, but we never left Ames. We never left Ames. We uh, The best part of that was when we went to the airport. So Ames is roughly 60,000 people, but it's about 30,000 when the students are gone. So they've got a decent size, like regional type airport, but most of the traffic in and out of it is for the college. That's The college has their plane there. Um, it It's not, there's a terminal, but it's like a front desk and some chairs. So we were filming this video, Katie and I were going to pretend to try to fly out for spring break, but then all of the flights would be canceled. And so we'd have to make our own fun in Ames. And so we went into the, into the airport where the only people in there and some poor college kid is working the front desk, which I'd imagine has to be a terribly boring job because there's, there can never be more than one flight out of their day. I can't imagine there's any foot traffic at all. We go in and we're like, yeah, we're working on a project for a class. We're going to need to uh, use this terminal for a while. <laughs> so we like, we're like, 
he was worried about like being loud and we made Jacob film us and we had suitcases. It was just a mess. And then later that day, we rolled down an icy hill in shorts, which was also a bad choice. So and I, I was getting sick at that point. And I, I remember my throat hurt so bad and we're outside with no clothes on and it's freezing. And I was like, why did we just spend our whole day making this video? Well, we started it drinking peach juice out of wine glasses yeah so yeah and neither of us are like staunch you know conservative religious we like wine we're not against (laughs) drinking wine we just thought it'd be funny to drink apple juice or peach juice or whatever it was (laughs) it was part of the video it was part of the video yes no gosh so jacob thank you for all of your help with that video yes most under a photographer i will i will admit he knows okay, how to run the camera. Because you've had him second shoot for you before. Well, once. It was oh. actually my very first wedding I ever did. A second shooter was not included in my package, but it was one of his college friends who was getting married. And I'm very thankful to them for trusting me to hire them for their wedding because it was my very first ever. Um, but yes, Jake sat up in the balcony during their wedding and took photos. And I think I maybe kept one of them. Um, but then he was my assistant the rest of the day. And it was very... It was quite an experience. Which isn't that so. much different, I feel like, than what he is now. He's just, he's your assistant. He is my assistant. Yeah. Now, now that I don't have a full-time job, some might say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just say I'm a stay-at-home wife. <laughs> he's the breadwinner. He's the breadwinner. <laughs> go, Jacob, Go. <laughs> Oh, Jacob. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. I mean, this, I promise this all ties in. I just love how this is flowing. This is great because, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about with you too is kind of an extension of a conversation we were having a couple months ago about kind of finding your people, especially in high school and college. And this is going to sound weird and like, could probably be like thought of as almost a like a burn or a like a negative thing I'm telling you and it's not but Katie I didn't think I was ever gonna find friends that were as weird as me (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were gonna say boring uh but no I know there's a lot of people that are out there that are boring (laughs) yes college was an interesting time I think I definitely felt like a outlier or is that the, an outsider? An outsider, that's the word I'm looking for. Well, I think it's so, you know, we we think about like our childhoods, especially, which almost to me is the scarier part of how kind of where our stories align the most as far as friends, because you and I both, you know, we each had one sibling. We spent a lot of time with our parents. We had good relationships with our parents. Not We're not complaining about that. But I think it is harder to find that in our generation. We grew up on the farm. We helped with family business. And we kind of entertained ourselves. I mean, we made movies with our Barbies or music videos. Um, I can remember Anna and I, my sister Anna, we had a kind of the Barbie cassette player with the two microphones. And we would have our own little radio shows. So this is my second podcast. <laughs> But I, I th- you know, I think about the kinds of things we liked as kids, 
And obviously the way we use those hobbies has developed as we've gotten older, but our our baseline interests don't really change that much. And I mean, I had a rough time in high school. I could make an entire episode about how much I hated high school and maybe I will someday. That's not this episode, but I was excited to be done for you know many reasons and I powered through and I was fine with it because I knew college came next and I was so excited for college because it's where my life was going to change. I was going to have all these friends, have a girl group and you know hang out with all these different people and I'm also a nerd so I like school. That was probably part of it too. But I got to college and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't what I expected at all. I had the same exact experience. I could not wait to get done with high school. I mean, I even, I didn't graduate a semester early, but I went and worked for a semester and took one class and, and just to get away. And I think that we all have this idea that we're going to go to college and there's going to be so many people just like us and like-minded and we're going to hang out all the time and we're going to have fun and do all these things. And I got to college and it wasn't that way at all. And I really disliked at least my first year of, of college, just the experience as a whole. I would, I guess I would, I would say I really disliked the first year and a half. Cause then I lived with those bad roommates we talked about earlier. Um, but it just, it took me a long time to find my people and, and, I think I went into the co- in, into college thinking there'd be more people, quote, like me. You know, I, I wasn't a big partier, drinker. I, I wasn't interested in that at all. And I felt like it was impossible to find people who had that same mindset when I first went to college. Well, and I think, too, that I think back to especially the first, the first semester, especially the first half of the first semester, And this definitely was compounded by living in the dorms because you have all kinds of young, nervous strangers together. And in our case, I think because your floor, your dorm was all girls too, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So was my floor was too. And so you throw in that it's all girls on top of that. And I think that at least the first half of that semester to, you know, the entire semester is... It's kind of just like that big summer camp experience all over again where it's it's kind of like we talked about, that camp that we met at where you're trying to be that best version and that top dialed in version of yourself all the time to make the most friends and make the most connections and you almost grasp for anybody that gives you kind of an ounce of attention or has the potential to be a friend because you just want one so bad and when you do finally step back and think about gosh do I want to be friends with this person is this person a good fit for me maybe it's not even that they're bad people but they're just not a good fit and you start to be more selective it can be scary because the alternative might be not very many friends or no friends at all and I think that so much of that first semester for both of us was very competitive among people, um, among the people we lived with, among the clubs we were in. I'll say too, like an area where I was really surprised was my roommate. 
I had a great roommate. She wasn't completely random, but I didn't know her. Um, and we moved in together and she was honestly the best roommate you could ask for. I don't know if she's listening to this, but you were the best roommate. <laughs> she was kind and polite um, and tidy and kind of kept her stuff to her stuff and left my stuff alone. We could visit and hang out. But I had this idea in my head painted of I was going to live with this girl for a year and she was going to be my maid of honor at my wedding. Kick my sister out of the picture. I had this idea that your freshman year roommate was going to be your best friend for life. And we went through the year. We had never had a problem. We never had a fight. We we got along great. And then we moved out and I haven't talked to her since. And that I kind of had this anticipation of this built-in friend and this built-in best friend that never came to fruition. Yes. And I think that, I don't know if it's social media and movies and just pop culture things that paint this picture of how college is going to be and that the the fact that it's going to be absolutely perfect and it's going to be the best time in your life. I think there's so much pressure put on, oh, it's the best four years of your life. And, you know, I wish I could go back to college. And I think we're all told that, but it's, but then there's so much pressure put on that it has to be the best time in your life. You have to be making the most of it and you have to be with people all the time. And, you know, I think we all go into college and we're just told to follow the same path as everybody else. And I, you know, I keep saying this, that I think I would have enjoyed my first semester, semester and a half of college if I wouldn't have lived in the dorms. I think that was really rough for me. And I think, you know, I I didn't want to live in the dorms, but, I, you know, it was kind of those, my parents are like, well, you know, everybody lives in the dorms, you kind of have to. Um, but I I wish that I, you know, you look back and you think of all the things you could have done differently, but I wish that I would have not been so afraid to do different things than everybody else, because you feel like you have to follow this clear cut path and you really don't. Yes, I have had that thought too. And to think back to some of my favorite memories in college and the people I spent it with, you know, that I spent that time with, obviously you were one of them. There's others too, that it was doing those unconventional things. And to be clear, I have no real vendetta against people who want to go to a party in college that want to drink. I mean, I had plenty of wine and movie nights too. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it if that's what you want your experience to be. But I also think it's okay if it's not, and it's okay to know that. Um, And that extends to other parts of life too. I think that, you know, I'm going to steal this from a podcaster um, who's a favorite of mine, Kate Kennedy, she has a podcast called Be There in Five. Katie's actually the one who um, recommended it to me originally, and I haven't stopped listening. But she just had an episode out where she talked about people who either don't have many friends or are single, um, and people always feel bad for them. And I almost would say that they're the the heroes a lot of times in the situation where they had other opportunities to get married or to date or to have other friends. There's people everywhere. If you wanted to get married, if I wanted to go get married today, I could go find somebody and go get married. Or if you wanted more friends, that's not hard. You can walk down to the bar and go make some friends and have a beer. 
but I think in most cases where people who are very intentional about the people they choose to spend their time with, they're the kind of people that are my kind of people. And, you know, we think of the kind of people we tried to be friends with in college, especially that first year we talked about. And in our hearts, deep down, we knew that they were not the kind of people for us. Our version of a wild and crazy Saturday night was to go out for Mexican and then come back to the apartment to see somebody parked in one of our assigned parking spots at the apartment for the umpteenth time, calling the towing company to get them hauled off and watching FBI style from the street with the lights off, cackling in madness as the tow truck pulls away and the guy comes running out from the building, which by the way, definitely happened. Um, that's one of Katie and I's wild and crazy Saturday nights, folks. <laughs> and it was so much fun. And it was. And we had a blast. So I'm not recommending that you go get people towed just for the sake of having somebody's car towed away. But that can be your Saturday night or your version of fun. And that is okay. If that's what you want it to be, there's nothing wrong with that. How transformative was it for you once it got to you know later in your sophomore year towards the end of your last year of college because we both graduated in three years too so maybe there's a piece of that fourth year that is missing that we didn't get but how transformative was it to start spending time with those kind of people well I think all areas of my life were benefited from from that single aspect because I was happier in my school work I was happier in my job it I mean you know one of the things that we would do weekly was we had supper together every Wednesday night and we um, switched off who was cooking and the fact that that could be my social interaction with someone and then we could hang out at 8 30 9 o'clock I could go back to my own apartment where I lived by myself and do some homework or you know just relax a little bit knowing that that was okay and it was fine that I'm not hanging out with this group of 10 girls and we're gonna go to Target at 10 p.m. and then you know go out to the bars you know as a lot of people would do and it was okay that you know, it's eight o'clock. I'm going to call it a night. We've had fun making supper together and it's okay that that's what we do for fun. Um, just know, knowing that there were other people who enjoyed those things and didn't want more, um, I think just benefited all other areas of my life. Cause I was, you know, I felt like, um, I just felt more normal. And that, that's all anybody wants to feel. I mean, we chase this feeling of normalcy. Now, we don't really know what it is, but I think we know what it feels like. And that's just when you feel comfortable and you feel like, you know, you found people and places that that fit you and fit your needs. And I think that there's something more powerful in that than there is power in having an uncountable number of friends. I mean, on your wedding day, you had four people stand, well, kind of standing up with you. I guess you got married elsewhere, but you're kind of faux bridesmaids, which I I just love the way you did your wedding. But your your fake 
faux bridesmaids, kind of the people you had doing everything except standing up with you at mm-hmm. a ceremony. You had four of us, your sister, myself, and two of your other college friends who, um, one of whom I'd met before. And there was no doubt in any of our minds that we were there because you wanted us there. And it was very important to you that we were a part of that day. I mean, as well as a wedding photographer, I'm sure you can think of instances and you don't have to share if you don't want to, because, you know, you never know anybody's circumstance with their family or their situation. But I'm sure you can think of circumstances where somebody's maybe had 10 or 12 in their bridal party. And it's almost this game of, well, I invited this person. Well, now I need to add these two in so nobody's mad. And it just gets to be out of hand. And and it's more about who who is there than it is what they mean to them. Exactly. And it goes back to the whole thing of doing things because, one, either everybody else does things this way, or two, because you just feel like you need to. And to go back to what I said earlier about how everybody says that, oh, college is the best couple years of your life, doesn't get any better than that, I would say my life is so much better now that I'm not in college anymore. I am so much happier. I have so much more satisfaction in my life not being in college. And, you know, now looking back, I know that's okay. Like, I, it's okay to be, you know, different than everybody else and not you know, everybody loves college because it's this time where you have no responsibilities. I felt like it was the time I had the most responsibilities. I was working three jobs. I had, you know, I was taking 21 credits. I had clubs. I had, you know, all the things. I had so many responsibilities. And now you take out the homework piece of it and you take out, you know, some of the other things that you have to do. And my life is way better. And I know I'm comfortable now in knowing that my life doesn't have to look like this cookie cutter path that everybody else follows. And to kind of tee that up or to add into that, it's okay if your life is cookie cutter. That's fine too, but it doesn't have to be. And I think that whether it's in your photography business and doing something different in that realm or just in terms of the people you choose to spend your time with. I think that's something that you have really come to be is someone that does your own thing, um, regardless of how other people feel and independent of kind of the constructs that might exist. You do exactly what you want to and exactly what you know that you need to do. um, And you're okay with that, which is something that I've always really admired about you. And it's something that I appreciate about you as a business owner and as a friend. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. We should stop rambling. I feel like we could keep going on this. We're at an hour and a half. I know. (laughs) Now, I'm sure it'll be shorter than an hour and a half because there's things we'll cut out. There's little little secret nuggets nobody will ever hear because they're bad. (laughs) You can put those on Patreon. (laughs) Oh, yes. My my non-existent Patreon. You can look forward to that happening um, to help me pay my my electricity bill. So something I want to try, um, we'll see how it goes. So I guess if you're hearing this, it went well. So obviously the whole purpose of this show or the premise behind it is to focus on 
people from the Midwest or things that are happening in the Midwest and Midwestern topics. So to kind of tie that back into each and every episode very clearly, um, I want to do some hot takes, some Midwestern hot takes at the end of every episode. I should call them hot dish hot takes, but it's not really an (laughs) Iowa thing to say hot dish, so that probably would offend people. Um, So Katie, what I have are four questions that are Midwestern culture related Um, I say there's no right or wrong answers, but there definitely is, and we'll talk about them as we go. But I want your honest, hot take opinion. Um, So let's get started. Scotcheroos or puppy chow? Scotcheroos. Why? Because I like something that's more hearty, and I just want, I love that, like, crunch of biting into it, and puppy chow... I don't like it when my hands are like sticky. Like I I feel, you know, anytime I eat something like that, I just want to go wash my hands right away. So I'd much rather have a scotcheroo. Um, so fine, but just so you know, puppy chow is best eaten with a spoon. <laughs> it is cereal, so you can eat it with a spoon. So I grew up with my mom made puppy chow with popcorn because we had, you know, so much extra popcorn from our family's business. And so my mom would make puppy chow with popcorn and not cereal so I don't know if that really counts but I didn't really like it that much you could still eat it with spoon so this might be where our friendship ends you might be watching our friendship die (laughs) okay Casey's or quick trip Casey's hands down do you have anything against quick trip what do you have anything against quick trip no but I get quick trip confused with another place Oh, I the other one named one. Quick Trip. Yeah, I should I should what specify is this is there's Quick Trip, but there's um Quick Star. Yes, and so I can't ever. I don't know the difference. I don't think there isn't a difference. So Midwestern fun fact thing. I should add a little, <laughs> a little sound effect. Quick Trip and Quick Star are both owned by Quick Trip. They're the K T. They're the no, same the Q-T, brand, right? It's no. Q-T. No, Quick Trip, the Midwestern Quick Trip, the K-W-I-K, T-R-I-P. Oh, oh, I'm thinking of the Minnesota one. That is the Minnesota one. Quick Trip and Quick Star are the same company. No, it's but it's Q. Their sign is Q-T. No, Q, Quick Trip with a Q is from Oklahoma. Mm, okay. So a fun fact for anybody that doesn't know this, K-W-I-K, Quick Trip, which is based out of, I believe it's Wisconsin. Maybe it's Minnesota. I think it's Wisconsin, though. And Quick Star, K-W-I-K, Quick Star, are the same company. They're the same stores, but they've branded their Quick Trip stores in mostly in Iowa as Quick Star, so they're not confused with the QT Quick Trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. Never thought I'd be on a podcast arguing about gas stations. Well, we're not so. arguing because I am right and you're wrong. <laughs> so it's not an argument. All right. All right, our next hot take. And if this one goes poorly, then we're not friends anymore. Ope or Oofta? Ope. Okay, that we can live with wait, that. How, wait, do you disagree with me on Casey's? Okay, hear me out on this one. And I knew oh, this was going to Oh, come. oh, no, oh. I, no, I knew this was going to come up at some point with somebody if I do this. So it might as well be now. I grew up a Casey's girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I did. This is the most Midwestern part of this show. I grew up a Casey's girl because that's all we had in our little small town. Well, that we had. We got our milk and eggs. Oh no, we had a real grocery store. Grocery store too. (laughs) Must be nice. So Casey's, well, okay, we had a Casey's, then we had a BP, which in a town of like 1200 was the number one uh, beer selling per capita BP store in the entire United States. It's closed now. Actually, it's gone. It's like an empty lot. So if anybody needs a lot in Southern Iowa, I know where you can get one. But I was a Casey's girl growing up. We'd go there like after school to get a snack or before school. Um, you know, Casey's cookies and bug juice. That's what we'd get after piano lessons. See, I was a big fan of Casey's breakfast pizza and orange juice because to me, like, I know everybody loves Casey's breakfast pizza and chocolate milk, but like the fattiness of the chocolate milk and the fattiness of the egg and the cheese sauce, like it's just too much. So I got to have some orange juice, you know, get a little fruit in there. (laughs) Very healthy. healthy. So I grew up a Casey's girl and I'm still a Casey's, Casey's pizza girl. However... I moved to Northern Iowa two years ago. I was not familiar with Quick Trip or Quick Star, but then I had my eyes opened. I give you three reasons why Quick Star is superior. Their milk, the bananas, and the people that work behind the counter. Okay, the, fir- the first two I was gonna say are things that I would never, never get from a grocery, or from a from a convenience store, but the third one does pull some weight. Because they tell you, see you next time, every time you go. Every okay. time. Okay. So I'm not saying I have a preference one over the other, but what I am saying is that Quick Trip has their own banana ripening facility and their bananas are superior. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm just not a banana person, so I guess I wouldn't understand. Okay, well... So this might be the last time Katie and I ever talk, so I'm glad it's recorded for the whole world to see. Final hot take. These really are some hot takes. But this one I don't have a polarizing opinion on, so I don't really care what your answer is. What is the minimum temperature for shorts weather? Ooh. Well, okay. There's multiple facets to this because it depends on what time of year it is. Because... If it's in the springtime, and we've just come off of a long, cold winter, I would say 35 degrees um, might be breaking out the shorts. I'm pretty sure when I was in track in high school, we had a 35 degree day, and I, or, you know, 35, 40 degrees, and I definitely wore shorts to practice. In the fall, though, I would say if it's below 70 degrees... I will not be wearing shorts, so. Really? There. There you have it. No, because I think in the fall, I'm just excited to be, like, warm and cozy, and also, I don't wear shorts around my house. We keep our house pretty cold, and so I'm almost exclusively in fuzzy socks and sweatpants. Interesting. I did not expect a 70-degree answer already. I feel like as time goes, that will become a minority answer. But we respect all answers for shorts weather temperature on this podcast. And we thank you for your input, Katie. This has been fun. Mm -hmm. This went a lot better than I thought it would, I think. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time taking myself seriously sometimes. So, like, 
I'm just proud of myself for not just like laughing a lot and not taking it seriously. So, you know, pat on the back here. I'm, I did a good job, I think. <laughs> yes, I, th- I think you did a fantastic job. You're the best guest that I've had on the podcast so far. So congratulations. Wow, thank you. Um, so Katie, obviously, <laughs> after hearing all of the all, all of the intelligent things you had to say today, minus your opinion on Midwest gas stations, people are going to want to connect with you. Where can folks find you? Well, now that I do not have a day job, I need to get a lot better at social media and post more because now my livelihood depends on this business. Um, but I recently deleted my personal Instagram because I realized I was spending way too much time on it. So I now only have my photography Instagram account, which is at Katie Decker Photo. And my Facebook page is also Katie Decker Photography. And we did not get into this, but I am potentially starting a new little side business too. So um, we'll have to put those in the show notes when this comes out, if I have started those, the Instagram and Facebook and, you know, website for that. Uh, by the time this comes out. We'll see. We'll keep it a uh, secret for now, though. And you have a website for your photography, too, correct? Oh, I do have a, web- I do have a website that is also www.katiedeckerphoto.com. You had to think about that a little too I hard. Know, I was like, wait, the photography <laughs> isn't on there, I don't think. That one's taken, and I didn't really want to fight someone for that um, that name. So, you know, we're just Katie Decker Photo. It's fine. No, that we could have an entire another episode just about domain names and fighting for domain names. We won't get into that, but I've heard some stories. Oh yeah, and I I've heard stories too, and that's why when I did have the name for this, you know, future business that I want to start, I went and bought the domain name immediately, and so I have owned this domain name for quite a while now, just in case I ever needed it. But we'll see. Well, if anything, you have to start your business and we will bring you back on the show and you can talk about your your additional business. You're a serial entrepreneur now if this comes to light. So um, excited to see what you do with this and hopefully um, you make some progress on it and you can come back soon and tell us more about it. Yes, hopefully uh, we'll make some progress here in the next couple of weeks. So I will report back. Katie Clark, appreciate your time today. It was always a pleasure to talk to you and look forward to seeing what this next business venture looks like for you. Sounds great, Emily. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be your first and best guest yet. (laughs) So this is at least the seventh time I've tried to record this outro and I'm hoping that by being candid, that will help it go better. Thank you, Katie, for being the inaugural guest on Shorts Weather, the podcast where we show the Midwest truly is the best. That was fun. I hope you guys had fun listening to it. I know that Katie and I had a ton of fun recording that, uh, but it's hard not to have a good time when you're hanging out and chatting it up with one of your best pals. Um, If you are enjoying my tangents and tasting guests so far, I realize that you only have one episode to go off of, um, but maybe that's enough for you to decide what you think of the podcast subscribing to the podcast on whatever platform you listen on and leaving a five-star review is an easy way to support shorts weather and me for free um if you like my midwestern rants and rambles um, by subscribing you will make sure that you never miss another episode and you'll get to hear all of the tangents and all of the guests who are coming on the show and all of the interesting people who i know and i get to talk to 
So if you enjoyed, consider subscribing. And don't forget to tell your friends too. Like I said earlier, this is not a job. This is not a side hustle. This is just a hobby. And it would make me really happy if I had a big family of people listening to this who also get to learn and enjoy the guests and the people that I meet. So if you have ideas of people to have on the show, hit me up. And until next time, guys, remember that with a positive attitude, any temperature is the right temperature for shorts weather. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.